And welcome to this week's Hammer Time podcast, where we talk about sports, society, and stuff. I'm your host, Ethan Hammerman. Really special guest this week, one of my best friends, who, fun fact, once recorded an episode with me in the past. Uh, it did not end up making it on the air. And before I introduce him, of course, I have to note, we are on PlaymakerMentality.com, and we are on iTunes, so please... Find the podcast, share it. Bill Simmons has Cousin Sal, he has Jacko, he has any number of random people in his life that he calls to be on his podcast, so I was like, I'm going to do the same thing, especially because you have a very vested interest in a certain large sporting event coming up, so I'd like to introduce to the world someone who cannot be found on Twitter or Facebook, or any other social media outlet, because he chooses to not do those things, my good friend Zach. Zach, how are you? Hello, world. Yeah, so, Zach is here, and Zach is probably the person I talked more sports with than pretty much anyone else when I was in college. That's true, because when you talk to Grant, you have to listen, you don't get to actually talk. Our good friend Grant Gurton right there. And, yeah, this is going to be an episode that's going to be a little bit more informal than a lot of other episodes that we've had. Zach is someone who I saw pretty recently, actually, because he came to New York and it was really good to see him on his birthday, which was great. But it's just fun to catch up with him. And he is, I'll admit, probably the biggest basketball fan that I know. And, specifically, he is a diehard Cleveland Cavaliers fan. And so we're going to talk about the NBA Finals, because Zach has an interesting take on what he thinks is going to happen this year. So, to start, Zach, why don't you... I have an interesting take. I don't even know what the take is. Zach, you have the take. It's in your head. It's come to the surface. But... No, that, that implies that I have to do something irrational and just let it bubble over. I'm a very sane individual. Fine, so use that sanity, please. Zach, to start, what do you think about the Cavaliers this year? Better than last year. Um, I still, uh, I've told Ethan this many, many times. I was in Greece when it happened and refused to look at my phone for the entirety of... In Greece is not a word. Was that? In Greece? No, I was in Greece. Oh, Okay, sorry. Yes, increase is not a word. Um, no, so I, back in 20, was it 2014? Yeah, 2014, I was actually in Greece in August and knew the news was going to happen, but could not bear to actually read it. The Wiggins for Love trade, which to this day I still pretend doesn't happen. I have a video game roster that begs to differ. But I am a huge Andrew Wiggins fan and cannot for the life of me believe that trade happened. In any case, uh, while I wish they had kept him, that this team has looked much better than any Cavs team I have ever seen in the past. And that actually is not that hard to do, admittedly. But still, it's a very so- uh, solid-looking team. And that said, I still have them losing to the Warriors in five. That's pretty. It's pretty dark. You don't Dude, think? I'm a Cleveland fan. I'm supposed to be pessimistic. If I say it's going to go to seven, it's going to come in the most gut wrenching way possible. At least in, if I say it's happening in five, that means it's a four to one loss, and there's no way in hell the Cavs could have ever won the series. 
So let's talk about the breakdown with Cleveland and Golden State. Although first, I actually want to reflect on something that we did last time we saw each other. So we made a top 20 NBA players list. Yes, and we each got one veto. We each got one veto, and we used it on homer picks. But that's beside the point. The big thing I wanted to note is that we both had pretty much agreed upon the same top five. And both of us put Russell Westbrook ahead of Kevin Durant. Absolutely. And I hate to say it, but I think after watching this series, I feel more conviction in that decision. Don't you? Uh, Definitely. You know, I'd like, if you ever look at uh, 538's political stuff, they always have their predicted results and then a little bell curve where they think this is the average, the range you'll fall in. You can make an argument that Kevin Durant fits above maybe like 40% of Russ's games, and it's a very narrow, relatively speaking, narrow peak, while Russ could go anywhere from, I don't know, throwing up an 0 for 30 game to anywhere near, I don't know, 40, 15, and 15. Russ is, it's just so much fun. It's so unpredictable watch him play. It's it's a pleasure is what it really is. Essentially, he has higher peaks and valleys than Durant. Absolutely. And Durant's a little bit more consistent, but at the same time, Russ also is more complete in all phases of the game. I mean, we saw what he could do passing the ball, uh, even the Durant, in my opinion, and this is just my really take. Good. I think Durant played really good. I think Durant... Sorry. You know, it's fine. I think Durant played really good defense in the series. I actually think overall, the Thunder played really good defense in the series. Even in Game 7, before the run that was started by Sean Livingston and Anderson Verigel that I thought was sort of the nail in the coffin, I think that even on those crazy threes that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were making, the defense was correct. You have Steven Adams forcing him all the way and forcing him to take some crazy shots, and Thompson and Curry just kept hitting. I actually thought Billy Donovan did a very, very good job defending them for most of the series, even the losses. They did a fantastic job all series. They were switching. They were chasing the perimeter. I mean, who was it who said said it? You cannot give them uh, I think it was... For some reason, I think it was Kenny Smith who kept harping on it every halftime. You cannot give them an inch of space where they will take a shot and have a shot at hitting. It is horrifying how how quick their releases are. At the same time, on our list, I think that we both underrated Clay Thompson a little bit. He really came of age in this series, and it is stunning how amazing he is from a three. Guy who shot who had thirty-seven points in three quarters in that one earlier this season or something like that. It was, we underrated him, and yet, we, at the same time, we, I can't say we completely overrated him. I, I, I'm split. I think he's in the right rating, dude, ranking, dude. Uh, part of it, though, is he just, he scores in bunches. He's a little bit like the Westbrook to Curry's Durant, where there are certain games when he will just pour it on. He's not better than Steph Curry. Like, we're not saying that, but Clay Thompson was absolutely on point after the first quarter of it's, the game last night. It's just harder to notice 
because all he does is catch and shoot. If you looked at that game six tape, he does not handle the ball at all. He gets the ball, he pulls up, he shoots, he takes one dribble, he shoots, he takes two dribbles, he shoots. He, I'm not calling him a one-trick pony by any means. He's not a Kyle Korver in that sense. But, but really, he is. It, he doesn't have the ball enough to actually say to actually notice him most of the time unless you're actually looking for him and watching him run around those screens. So, in your mind, and I want to stay on this Western Conference series a little bit longer just because it was so phenomenal and I think really educational, why do you think Golden State beat Oklahoma City? Because they're a better team? Wait, was that like a trick question? So, in your mind, it was just Oklahoma City played as well as they possibly could, but Golden State was just better? Part of it also for me is that the Warriors, and this really showed up later in the series, and this is why, in my opinion, the Warriors are so special. They have crazy depth compared to the Thunder. The Thunder made some mistakes later in the series where, you know, Steven Adams was doing a really great job, and I think that Steven Adams' adjustment was phenomenal when they started playing him and Cantor a little bit more. Uh, even Dion Waiters was playing pretty well too, but really, the bench guys are just so I'm limited. Sorry, I think you mean Kobe Wade. Yeah, Co- Dion Waiters slash what he told teammates to call him in college, Kobe Wade. That is actually true. We learned that yesterday. But in it's my not, mind, it's not a terrible comparison. But he's <laughs> egotistical as hell. I mean, yeah, Dion Waiters, like, I think a Dion Waiters-J.R. Smith matchup in the finals would have been amazingly fun, and I'm a little bit sad that we're not getting that. Especially when you consider they were traded for each other. Yes, that would have made it even better. But the thing for me is that, and, and we're going to invoke another ex-Cavalier now, the Golden State Warriors had Anderson Verajao. This is a guy who started multiple NBA Finals games and is, like, their 11th or 12th man. It's That is insane to me. And they didn't even have to play Maurice Spates. They have Draymond Green. You have guys like Sean Livingston. Spates in an old Cleveland Cavaliers big guy comparison. At least give me a bone here. I guess so. But... I think the depth is really what scares me, and that is what could screw over the Cavs, because it's what screwed over the Thunder. That game was pretty close until Golden State took out many of their best players, 
and their third tier, Sean Livingston on whatever good muscles he has left in his body, Anderson Verjao pulling spin moves out of nowhere and, and looking like he just went to the fountain of youth. They were the ones who built up that lead, and they're the ones who really won the game for Golden State because once they had punched the Thunder while they were resting all their best players, the Thunder were not coming back. Completely true. I mean, I think Westbrook and Durant ended up starting the, the fourth quarter last night, and they did not rest at all. And I think Weber, Chris Weber was the one who said it. They looked gassed. And to some extent, that's completely true. When you don't have a bench, this is what happens to you. And they definitely were outdone uh, by the, the Warriors at, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter when it came to just endurance. So there you go. So ending off the portion about the Thunder, uh, I think overall they, they played pretty well. They did about as well as they possibly could have, considering how amazing the Warriors are. What do you think is going to happen to those players moving forward? Do you think they're going to stay with the Thunder? Do you think someone's going to try to opt out? Where do you think they end up one, two, three years from now? I honestly can't tell you. I know that there are some people with very best interests, notably individuals who are living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm looking at you, Seattle. Um, but I really don't know. They're fun to watch as a group, and but they might have hit their ceiling. And as a Clevelander, I really can't advocate, advocate for any player leaving a team like that. Uh, so I'm going to abstain from doing so. That said, there are multiple situations where it'll be a lot of fun to watch a Kevin Durant or a Russell Westbrook play, just in a completely different environment. So I'd, I don't want to see it happen, but I kind of also want to see it happen. It's The Clevelander wants it not to happen. The basketball fan kind of does. So it's weird. So, and we're going to talk about your personal relationship with LeBron in a little bit. Uh, but in a vacuum, where do you think it would be most fun? Where would you most want to see Durant and Westbrook end up? I kind of want to see Westbrook play with Boogie Cousins. That would be fun. That would be just... Beyond crazy, because that is that would just be a Chernobyl type situation on Chernobyl watch. It would be they'd be able to throw up between the two of them eighty points, forty rebounds, and maybe I don't know four punch opposing players in one game. It you don't know what's going to happen. It would be so much fun. As far as Durant. I know the Spurs are going to make a run at him, and that would be a ridiculous system for him to be in. It would just be unfair if he were to go there. So that would be where I'd see him going, even though I don't want to have I want to think about this Russell Westbrook and Sacramento thing <laughs> a little while longer. So... If Russell Westbrook goes there, let, let's think about what that rotation would be. You'd have Russell Westbrook, you'd have DeMarcus Cousins, you'd have Willie Cauley-Stein. <laughs> Who else would they have? I'm trying oh to think. Oh, God. Uh, Rondo will not be coming back. You'd have no. Curry. You'd have Seth Curry. <laughs> you'd, 
Uh, Gay won't be back next year. Uh, let's see, Macklemore is still there. I'm just look, looking at Google off the top because I can't think of many people in their rotation off the top of my head right now. It's tough. I mean, there's also a rumor that Hassan Whiteside might go out there too. They could do some that fun be, things. That, they would have to have mood rings on each of their fingers because, frankly, a team like that that would be so volatile could range anywhere between, I don't know, 30 wins and 60 wins, and anywhere in between. It would be a lot of fun. Okay, so then if you're looking at what they could do, this could be the Kings next year, if they were in two years or whatnot. But you could have a team with Boogie Cousins, Russell Westbrook, got Omri Caspi as sort of a swing forward with Willie Cauley-Stein. That's your front court. And then you pick Buddy Heald in the first round this year. Imagine Russell Westbrook, Buddy getting all of his straight... Westbrook can't be out this year, though. Yeah. But you build around him. So give Buddy a year. Buddy is going to shoot 50% from three anyway because he's Buddy. And then you have Russell Westbrook, Willie Cauley-Stein, DeMarcus Cousins, and Omer Caspi. Maybe you draft someone else next year. I don't know. I think that would be fun. Anyway, I, I like the thought of the, the Kings with Russell Westbrook. Durant, I mean, the obvious choice is, to me is the Timberwolves. See, that is the obvious choice. I feel I think there are a couple obvious choices. There was some talk, um, well, maybe it's just because where I live, here, uh, down here in the Mid-Atlantic, but there's talk about him wanting to come home to Washington to play with the Wizards. I don't know if he'd be a great fit with the Wizards. I don't think he would be a good fit with the Wizards, but that's what I heard. I think he needs to be a little bit more ball-dominant, and I'm not sure he'd play well with John Wall. I feel like Wall, in many ways, is a little bit similar to Westbrook, and we sort of have seen Durant's peak right now. So I kind of think he needs someone a little bit more deferential in the backcourt. Can you really say you've seen a guy's peak when he's only 27 years old, though? I think there's still much more room to grow. Now, whether he's... I think... If he's handicapped, not handicapped, but just limited by playing with someone who dominates the ball as much as Russ does, that's another story. That's what I was saying. I don't think we've seen his peak, but I I do think in some ways this is the best we're going to see him with Russell Westbrook. That's just sad. It's fun to watch, but that's just sad. It makes me sad, too. Who knows, maybe one of them goes to the Celtics. That could be fun, too. Okay, Homer. Yeah, we'll see. So now let's talk about the Cavs, the finals. Specifically, let's talk about LeBron. You've made note of it before. I know that you have a very interesting relationship with LeBron James. Why don't you take a minute to sort of explain your stance on him right now? And if it's changed, because I don't know if it's changed recently. So my stance on LeBron James when when he left was he is the best basketball player that's was in the game, I'll say it as if I'm speaking the present tense, right now. He's not anymore. I think we both can we both did agree that it's Steph who's taken that crown. Yes. And that being said, he's still one of the most dominant players in the NBA. And even when he was with the Heat, there were times where you just had to watch. As much as you hate watching it, you had to 
watch. Uh, like when he was at Game Six of the twenty eleven um, series against Boston in the Eastern Conference. Oh Lions God, that was amazing! Incredible. I remember just sitting in my dad's living room because I was home from college. My sister wanted me to turn off the game because you know my sister sucks. But I'm sitting there going. With my jaw gaping, like, I can't believe this is happening. This is one of the best displays I've ever seen in my life. So, as a basketball player, he's tantalizing to watch because of how many ways he can beat you. That being said, my opinion on him, my relationship with him as a Clevelander, I always envisioned him coming back as, you know, you were dating this really hot girl and the girl dumped you for another guy. And then after, you know, getting a ring and getting married and hanging together for four years, I think I made a mistake. And then coming back, it's like, no, no, I just moved on with my life. I'm okay. Leave me alone. Don't bring me back into your vortex of pain and suffering. Uh, so that's my opinion of it. Yeah, it's great to have one of the best basketball players on the planet. But it it's not... There's something fun. It, this Cavs team doesn't feel like a Cavs team that is mine. I know that sounds possessive and it sounds narcissistic, etc. But two years ago, I felt like there was a Cavs team that was going to be that young, that plucky up arms, upstart. That team like the Wizards were three years ago, the Blazers were this year, that was everyone was rooting for because oh my god this is these youngins are making some noise they're the Cinderella story um but when you have LeBron James on your team you don't get to do that and it's just it feels in the term in the vernacular of common basketball team building it seems microwaved as opposed to baked so that's my hot take and it Definitely feels like when you were the Cavs, you were forced to trade away your shiny new Andrew Wiggins for an old, stale Kevin Love. Shut up. I like that analogy, though, where, you know, you're dating someone, they leave you, get married, have a kid, and then go back, try to go back home. Well, honestly, it kind of seems like he did. I mean, might have had two kids. No, 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 if you no, think about it, the ring was the marriage. Well, we can we we can mince words over the definition no, of your analogy all you want. All right, Ethan. So, but, but anyway, talking about the Cavs. So, at the end of the day, though, you are still rooting for the team to to win it all. They are still your team. So, I know you said earlier that you don't think they're going to win. But, if they were to win this series, how do you think they could do that? If they're going to win the series, they're going to have to... I'm going to have to think about this. Um, they're going to have to switch every single screen and chase... No, sorry, I'm sorry. They're going to have to chase everyone over the screen, and they are going to have to bring help defense and risk that passing or that cross-court past the open guy because you saw what happened when they were switching screens the Thunder were, the Thunder were switching screens in game 6 and game 7 you give Clay one inch of breathing room and he's 
if he's on, he's going to hit it. You need to chase him over that screen and give him nothing. So I don't think switching is the way to work to do it in that sense. Um, you're going to have to be you're going to have to go smaller, unfortunately, to say. Uh, luckily, with someone like Tristan Thompson, who is athletic enough to play on the outside, you have better shots. But they're going to switch on Kevin Love as much as they possibly can. And part of me thinks for this particular series, it might be more effective for the Cavs to bring Love in with the reserves. Give him a chance not to be exploited by the lethal sharpshooters, but a chance to still be on the floor and run the offense through him. Have a type A offense with Kyrie and LeBron and a type B with uh, and a reserve one with Kevin Love. And that's really where I see it going because otherwise he's going to be dominating. I think you have to bench him in the fourth quarter. That seems really harsh, just to me, because... I think that what we saw worked last year with the Cavs and then also with the Thunder this year is going big is effective against this Golden State team. And granted, they could bring out that lineup of death. And if they're making their shots, they're making their shots. That's just what happens. But there are ways to score on this Golden State team in the interior. I'm not saying there are not. I'm saying from a defensive standpoint, I'm skeptical that Kevin Love is going to be anywhere capable of being on the floor against that lineup of death. He will be abused by whoever whoever is guarding him. You don't think he could take Draymond? I don't think he could take Draymond. He can't even take Draymond in the post. He'd get bullied around. Hmm. Well, I think that'll be something interesting to watch. On defense, though, I mean, Dante Jones is going to be back. I think you play Dante Jones on clay, right? Idea. I think they'll probably use J.R. Smith on him more than anything else. That sounds like a really bad idea. I don't think it's that terrible. <laughs> you don't? It, I really don't. I don't know. I'm a little scared about J.R. Smith doing anything other than jacking up threes. I mean, you have to put him somewhere, don't you? <laughs> I would right just put him in the middle. I, I would have him stay near the three-point line and just chill. <laughs> or stay near half court so he can cherry pick and, and, and get the ball and Ever to get a rebound? You're a fan of the Sacramento Kings, you know, four defense, one outlet guy. Hey, imagine playing that with Russ. That would be fun with Russ. That would be a lot of fun with Russ. That's a team that could use Kevin Love. Sacramento. Yeah, because then he would never have to play defense. That would be amazing. No, no, no. I want him on defense so he can throw the outlet pass. Uh, That's fair. That is true, actually. The unsold outlet pass that Love is so good at. That said, now you are playing with three players on defense. <laughs> Pretty much, you are playing with three players on defense at that point. So, we, we sort of covered the angles. We talked about how we think Golden State's going to win. But, I do think there's a chance that Cleveland ends up winning this game. And winning this series, I mean. That's the difference between you and me. You have this thing called hope. So, in terms of basketball, you said Warriors in five, right? I said that mostly tongue-in-cheek. I think it's probably they're going to do it in six. And yes, I think they win it uh, against the Cavs at home. Yeah, I think it's going to be six, too. I think we're going to see... I think the Cavs go up 2-1, actually. Again? I think it happens because 
just the way the Cavs are built, they have some great physicality down low, and I think that they're going to steal a game or two. LeBron also, you know, even though Curry might be a little bit better at this point, LeBron is still going to come out guns blazing. Like, he is going to fight his butt off to win that title because, you know, he is the Space Jam protagonist now. He's got to maintain his cred. Uh, he's got to show what he can do. You know, Michael Jordan's able to beat the Monstars, so he's got to got to live up to that title role. And I think that he's going to have some really, really good games. But at the end of the day... The shooting is way too good for Golden State. Quite simply, just too, too good. And I think Steph has a huge series. I think that Clay has a huge series. I think that Iguodala comes up big again. Um, I think Harrison Barnes could have a breakout series. One of the stranger players in the NBA, by the way, because I still don't know if he's good or not. I wish I could say that I actually did know, but... He really is an enigma. There are times where he looks like he's the one of the perfect wings for that offense and or for that team. And then there are other times like, why the hell did they put Iguodala on the bench? It really you can't figure him out. Bar- Barnes is someone who I could see getting overpaid by a bad team. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen a lot over the next year, dude. Now, so much cap room. Players are going to get paid beyond belief. I will say, and I keep talking about the Celtics, but I don't really care. Go ahead. One guy who I think could be really good on the Celtics after watching this series, uh, the Western Conference Finals, I mean, Serge Ibaka would make a lot of sense in Brad Stevens' scheme. Because he has a lot of versatility. He has the interior defensive presence. Now, I, I, I didn't realize he was so good at shooting, to be honest. I had no concept of how good he is at shooting. Shoot. And the end of the sentence. I he's the best I've seen him shoot. He's totally underutilized now in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Oklahoma City actually has a really nice big rotation with Adams, Ennis Cantor, and Ibaka. But I, I think Ibaka is underutilized, and Adams really began to, to show up at the end of that series. I, I think Ibaka's got to get moved at some point, and Boston could be a really fun place for him to go. I wonder if they're able to throw a few of those picks together, maybe a player, and make that move. I don't even know what Ibaka's contract currently is. Let's take a look here. Yeah, Ibaka is definitely someone who I think so is underrated. He's got an expiring next year. Twelve and a quarter million. That's incredibly cheap for a player of his caliber. I, I like it. I think I think that could be a fun move. We because it's expiring, you'd have to pay some, something extra, but that would be completely defensible. But how old is he, Buck? Now, that'd be like twenty-five-ish. He is not that old. Yeah, he's young. So uh, twenty-six. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, he deserves a second contract, allegedly. He's not Biombo. We know how old he is. Allegedly. So, let's move away from basketball. Normally we segment this into sports society and stuff. Um, I think that we're just talking about sports and stuff tonight. Society, for those who don't know, Zach is doing awesome work researching HIV in Baltimore. 
That's what he does for a living. Sure, that's a good explanation of my research. It's really not, but okay. Well, do you want to explain it? No. So, my explanation will stand. But anyway, he's doing really good work, and he's a good person, so those are good things. But we're going to move away from basketball. Let's talk a second about football. You're also a big Browns fan. We actually saw the last time the Patriots and Browns played. Yes. We were at that game that together. One time I went to Foxborough, and I'm okay never going there again. Why? It took forever to get to and from. That is true. It's awful. Foxborough is not well situated. It is it is it is a bit of a schlep to to get back and forth. And you were taking the train, right? I was on the train. I had that was even worse. people threatened me to fight on the train. And why did people threaten you to fight on the train? Is it more than it's Boston? Okay, I was wearing a Browns jersey. But, but which, which jersey were you wearing? I don't even remember this. It's the one I always wear. Is it the one with all the quarterback names? Yeah, it's the one with all the quarterbacks. Why would anyone even threaten to fight you? It's like the saddest jersey. Because they saw the front of the jersey and not the back. And number two on the front is... Tim Couch. Was. No, number two on the front now. Or a couple years back. Wait, you're asking me who number two was? Yes. I honestly don't remember. Give me a hint. Maybe. Uh, he's running somewhere around New York right now. Allegedly. Maybe. He missed that helicopter. Oh, ride. Johnny Manziel. There uh, you go. Yeah, no, I'm a little concerned about Johnny Manziel. I did That's see that TMZ all, story. We're all a little concerned about Johnny Manziel, but at the same point in time... It's kind of fun to see what he kind of shit he does. So, all right. You are as knowledgeable about Cleveland and Cleveland life as anyone who I know. What did you hear about Johnny Manziel's time there? Because I heard that it was not pretty. Not pretty. This is a good description of his time. <laughs> just bad. Just all bad. Just bad I things. Give, I do not have any real specifics to give you other than basically... Multiple insane stories that I don't know if I trust them, but at the same point in time, they would not surprise me. Going to the Winking Lizard a little bit too late at night. It wasn't the Winking Lizard. I know, I know. (laughs) Winking Lizard's a sports bar. If you was at a sports bar, I don't give a shit. I told you my Winking Lizard story, right? And and this is for everyone. So Winking Lizard story? So... The first time I went to Cleveland, and the last time I went to Cleveland. This is the only time, the only story ever told me about the time I went to Cleveland was the time that your father had to brandish his fisticuffs in case of the mugger. No, what happened was that we went to Cleveland to visit colleges. This was in 2008, I want to say. And so we, on a summer night, we, we landed in Cleveland at about 8, 8.30 p.m., Staying in a hotel right in the middle of the city. Now, and important question for you, Ethan. Was there an Indians game in town? I know the answer is guys. <laughs> the answer is no. Okay, so you're going around downtown in the, around where the Indians and Cavs play, and there's no actual sporting event on. I told you, the thing about Cleveland that is different than any other city where I've ever been is that in every other city I've ever been, 
the people who I met walking around at night ratio with people who wanted to mug me did not equal one. In Cleveland, we met two people on the street that night, and both of them tried to mug my family. Yes, in Cleveland, uh, it's basically a black hole during the day and an erupting geyser at night. People flock there in the day to work, and then they get the hell out. It really is, if you are not on West 6th Street or in Ohio City across the river that catches on fire, you know, to keep the other people out. Um, you're, and there's not a sporting event on, you might not want to go outside. The Flats, the Warehouse District, there are a few places that are now coming back to some extent. But don't go outside at night if you're going just to walk around. Well, we didn't know, and we were hungry. Yeah, we were hungry. At least the Winged Lizard does have free popcorn. Yeah, no, we did go there, and the food was really good. And then the next day, we went... Next day, it was the daytime. Now, granted, it rained, but it was still daytime so people were there. And we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and some other places, and then we went to the Football Hall of Fame, which is really cool. So that is one of the nice little perks of Cleveland. But we did not get to uh, to go to an Indians or a Cavs game. That was a shame. Cleveland does seem like an interesting place, though, because I know that you grew up right outside of it, and there is quite the polarity between, like, the different groups of people who live in Cleveland and then the suburbs. It's not even... I want to abuse the metaphor slash literal of it's black and white. Um, There are roads out near this one... One of the suburbs I grew up in, uh, it's called Shaker Heights, and it borders Cleveland proper in a few spots. And there are some old roads that they basically put a planter of trees. So you have the road, and they put planted trees in the middle of the road to prevent people from driving from Cleveland into Shaker Heights, just to keep keep the, the places separate. That's crazy. It is... And cicada population. Oh, man, I can tell you some stories about that. It's going to be busting this summer, dude. Oh, is it... Is it the rotation? It's the year. Oh, no. Chicago and Cleveland. Do not go. I I think the last year that it was cicada season was when I visited. Because there were cicadas. No. You hit the the short-cycled cicadas. This is the long-cycled cicadas, dude. Oh, are those even worse? So, uh, back in 1999, I think it was, um, I, it was my first year at this summer camp, the outdoors camp, and I had never gone fishing before, but someone showed me how to fish, and he showed me about how to fish. I didn't know that there was this thing called bait. He just snatched one of the cicadas that were flying around in the sky, because they were everywhere, put it on the hook, cast it out, and within 10 seconds, he had already had a bite. This is how I learned to fish, because of cicadas. The next year I came back, didn't see any cicadas, just tossed my line in there, nothing happened, and went, why isn't anything coming onto the line? I mean, I'm, I'm nine at this point in time, I don't know any better. Uh, and that's how I know that it's cicada, cicada uh, that it's the last time that there were cicadas. 
in so, 17 years. So basically, Java Chamberlain should get the hell out of Cleveland. Those were actually the... Uh, I know, but bugs are attracted yes, to them. Yes, they're attracted... He has to a very sweet-smelling face. They're attracted to the big guys who sweat a lot. So Java Chamberlain should get the hell out of Cleveland. Um, who else should get the hell Barkley out of Cleveland? Charles Barkley should get out. Uh, Joe Thomas should run away. Well, Joe Thomas goes, loves going fishing, so that's a little bit different. Joe Thomas knows how to handle himself. Exactly. But, but speaking of the Browns, what do you think about them this year? I mean, Hugh Jackson was a good hire, and, you know, RG3 has potential. Gotta like the receivers. Which ones? Corey Coleman. No, no, I'm saying which ones because there's so many new faces. There are, yes, there are so many. There are so many. Um, so, I think, I'm trying not to be overly optimistic and look like a fool down the road because that's what happens in Cleveland. Um, I think they're going to be a good 4-12. Not a bad, sad 4-12, but a 4-12 where there's some promise of a future. And, you know, I can deal with that as long as there's some possibility of something going well in the future when you have extra draft picks in the future rather than, you know, trading away a future first-round pick for Brady Quinn, for example. Um, There's some positives. There's something to look forward to. So here's looking forward to April. So we've done this before. We're going to run through all the Browns games this year. And we're going to call them as a win or a loss. Okay? Go for it. Week one, at Philadelphia. If Carson Wentz starts, they could win that game. Agreed. If Carson Wentz starts, they could win that game. Carson Wentz probably won't start, and they'll lose that game. I'm chalking that as a loss. Fair. Week two, Baltimore at Cleveland. There are two games every year that I want to win. And they're the ones against Baltimore. Uh, that being said, they'll probably get their ass handed to loss. And actually, you have an interesting story because your dad was a Baltimore Colts fan, right? Before they fled the city the first yes, time. My, my, my living in Baltimore is completely independent and unrelated to this. It's just coincidental. I came here for the job. But my father is from Baltimore. And he saw his Colts leave for Indianapolis. And still to this day has a you're not allowed to cheer for the Indianapolis Colts. When I, when I was moving from Boston, my father suggested moving companies and he explicitly said you are not allowed to use Mayflower moving because they're the ones who moved the, uh, the Colts from Baltimore to Indianapolis. So, does your dad hate the Colts more than the Ravens? Yes. Not even a question. That's interesting. I did not know that. So, it... In his mind, although they were the old Browns, at least they're different colors. He grew up rooting for the blue and white. All right. And it, it pained him when he had to go, and he actually told me this, he had his hand across uh, in front of his face whenever he was looking at old stuff because it said people who straddle Baltimore versus, uh, and Indianapolis it said Indianapolis and it upset him too much. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the entire Los Angeles Rams thing. I'm not going to be able to do it. It's still weird. Alright, so 0-2 so far. Week 3 at Miami. You know, I think that one is 
possibly winnable, but they're going to lose it. <laughs> Week four at Washington. RG3 versus Kirk. That will be fun. That actually could be a little bit of a revenge game. That will be a lot of people talking. Uh, You know, I'm going to chalk that one up as a win. They'll probably lose it. I have four of these to give, so win. I will say Washington is a good team. I've talked about this with other people. I think that Scott McLuhan is a top three GM in football. I think think he's a fantastic GM. Phenomenal. I'm just not sure they're there yet. Yeah, definitely. I think that they're on the road, though. Week 5, New England at Cleveland. Can we go to week 6? Now, I'll remind you, last time New England played at Cleveland, not only did New England lose the game, we watched it together, if you recall, it was Gronk's worst game in his career. Oh, I thought you were talking about last time. At at Cleveland. Mangini helped win that one. Yeah, it was Mangini. But at Cleveland, Gronk actually has a really bad track record against the Browns. Because the first time they played, he had his worst game in his career where I think he fumbled twice. He, like, dropped a punt and fumbled it or something like that. And then the second time, T.J. Ward uh, took out his knee. So, I would bench Gronk in that game if you haven't fancy. No, I'm just saying, I would bench Gronk. I would bench Gronk in real life, and I'd bench him if you have him in fantasy. Because I don't want him anywhere near the Browns. Stay away from my tight end. Alright, so we're at 1-4 right now. Week 6 at Tennessee. Win. Who you beat last year, right? Annoyingly, yes. Otherwise, we would have had the first overall pick. And who would you have taken if you went number one overall? They still would have traded down. You think so? They wouldn't yeah. have taken uh, Wentz. I don't think they would have taken Goff. Or Go- oh, it would have been Goff, yeah. Week 7 at the Bengals. Loss. Week and 8. Italy, the Bengals will be worse this year. So I saw a podcast where someone said that Andy Dalton was a top five quarterback in the league. Based on redness of beard, sure. <laughs> who, who would be the other what top other five quarterbacks in terms of redness of beard? Dalton, Wentz, Fitzpatrick. Now I'm thinking. It's Dalton, Wentz, Fitzpatrick, one, two, three. I need to know who four and five are. Maybe Bradford's flares up. Bradford cannot grow a beard, and you know this. Sam Bradford cannot grow a beard, and you know this. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, week eight, Jets at Cleveland. Win. You think so? I think the Jets are going to be awful this year, especially if they can't come to a deal with uh, Fitzy. I, I will say that Christian Hackenberg, if he ends up starting at quarterback for the Jets, that is going to be funny. Funny or fun to watch? A little bit of both, because that team is so well-built, except for quarterback. They have so much talent. It's crazy. They have so much talent, except for quarterback. It's crazy. Oh, well, we'll see. Week 9, Dallas at Cleveland. Loss. What if Romo was injured? Fuck, I forgot to factor that one in. It's uh, week 9. Loss. It's week 9, so he's going to have played 7 to 8 games already. Depends on when their bye week is. Well, I was going to bring this up. Cleveland's bye week this year is week 13. No, 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 no. I I meant when the Cowboys' bye week is. Yeah, I don't know when the Cowboys' bye week is, but Cleveland's is week 13. That is one of the worst bye weeks for 
a team that is probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, the Patriots got screwed over by their week four by week last year, so whatever. It's true, you guys did. It was awful. Uh, we have a middle one this year, though, which is good. Week yeah, I really think they, they should really adopt the two by week system. I, I agree. It would be fantastic. It would be fair. It would be fair. Anyway, week 10 at Baltimore. Thursday night game, by the way. So you guys do not play the Steelers until pretty much Thanksgiving. Okay. Because week 11 is Pittsburgh at the the Steelers coming to you. Loss. Week 12, Giants come to Cleveland. Loss. Week 14, the Bengals come to Cleveland. Loss. Week 15, Cleveland goes to Buffalo. I don't know. I don't know about that. Week 16, the Chargers come to Cleveland. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. It's going to be 10 degrees. And then the last week of the season, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. So, yeah, that's four wins. San Diego, Tennessee, Jets, and Washington. I completely did that intentionally. What? Try and figure out which four games they'd lose. Or sorry, they win. <laughs> well, really, they would be losses anyway, because they're going to go 4-12 and 12 and still pick fourth overall, because three teams are going to be worse than them. Because that always happens. <laughs> this was assumed. I mean, it's just being a Clevelander. Um, I will say one thing, though, about the Browns I really like. You have a lot of really nice players. Like, I don't know if you saw the story with um, Joe Hayden, where he talks about his brother who has a disability. But that was really cool, and Andrew Hawkins seems really smart, and Joe Thomas seems like a great person. Like, you have a team of really good people, which hopefully counts for something. Yeah, we win in spirits. I've always loved Hayden. He's been a stand-up guy in the community. Everyone loves loves him. Uh, Does way too much service work. Uh, Joe Thomas is allegedly, or apparently, one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. My cousin's gone fishing with him before. Like I said, Joe Thomas likes to fish. And there was like this charity auction, and my cousin bid and won and went fishing on a, like a three-day trip, uh, fishing with Joe Thomas. And was like, this guy is just lovely. His, his words were just, the guy is so nice and so friendly. So definitely there. Hawkins, like there was that article on Deadspin while back where his son was still a huge AJ Green fan he wanted the Bengals to win and then Andrew Hawkins put him outside and made him come back in with his luggage he just seems like a great great guy so yeah there is some character in that locker room but you also have knuckleheads um, slash ex-knuckleheads who dominate the and it's so weird because like if you think about it, that 2014 um, draft, you know, they got two knuckleheads in Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel as counteracts to all of the positive people in that locker room. It's it's strange. But overall, I know you said 4-12 and 12 this year. Are you fairly optimistic about the direction of the Browns, at least? Like, speaking from a comparative sense, as opposed to last year. Well, it'll be a more exciting 4-12 team to watch. 
But still 4 and 12. But still 4 and 12. But you like Hugh. I do like Hugh. So, that'll hopefully help. And hope maybe you'll even get a new owner, because Haslam will go to jail. One can dream. One can only dream. So, we've run through the two teams that I care about, <laughs> that you like. Because the Indians, I mean, whatever, they're the Indians. I do not care. Yeah. I can name half their order at best. So, I guess to end off this podcast, because we have made it just about an hour, um, which I have to say, very impressive that we talked for an hour about random things. What are you watching on Hulu and Netflix right now? And it could also be a rewatch of things. So, I am currently watching on Netflix since learning that it is on Netflix. I have been binge watching. Well, Maybe one a day or so. Rewatching the Animaniacs, which was my childhood. And I am way too happy at some of the brilliant writing of that TV show. It is incredible how witty it is. It's just, it, it's joyful. It makes me joyful when I get to watch it. There's, it's just happy. So, there you go. Like, what is one moment? when you were watching it, that just made you, like, freak out a little bit on the inside. Do you not remember when we were in college and we found that they did a parody of Late Miz? I will say that that was one of the funniest things I have seen, but I'm asking when you're re-watching it, found anything that we hadn't seen in college. Oh, okay. Um, i trying to think of recent episodes that I watched. I can't think of any off the top of my head, man. I'm sorry. I will say that Lee Miskin in college with the dog and the cat yeah. is really, really funny. I, I remember that. Anyone who's out there who has not seen this, it's called Lay Miserandimals. Yeah, Lay Miserandimals. That's exactly what it's called. It I will link to YouTube. it. excited for when they begin to parody Hamilton, even though I already saw a couple of Jewish parodies of Hamilton. There was a Hamilton Haggadah. I don't know if you've heard about this. Unless someone is busting out some of David Dix's raps, I am going to roll my eyes. Brown alum David Dix. Let Brown it be known. Dix. And Jew. And he's also Jewish, actually. And he is Jewish. This is true. This is why his name is David and not David. Thank you to our friend Lex for informing us of this. Tonight was fun. It was good to talk to you. I'm excited to see what happens with basketball this series. Thank you so much for joining us, Zach. We should do this again sometime. Thank you for having me. Maybe. Uh, and, and if anyone does not like me, feel free to tweet at me at I don't have an address. Yeah, you're you are completely off the grid when it comes to Twitter, so you will not get any hate mail. Fantastic. I will get all the hate mail. Although I will say, the best idea to come out of this podcast, now I really want Russell Westbrook on the Kings. I kind of want to. I really want Russell Westbrook on the Kings. Alright, everyone voted in. Russell Westbrook to the Kings. We'll see what happens. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Zach. That was this week's Hammer Time Podcast. We're back next week with more Sports Society and stuff. Until then, talk to you later. Cool.
That was good.